0: your four-year-old can discover the joy of learning. Waterford Upstart is a proven effective pre-K learning program that includes fun songs, games, and activities that prepare your child for success in school. We provide all the tools you need to help your child learn to read, including a coach, a computer, and internet access. And because it's already paid for, it's free for you. Listen, uncomplicate the way you do pre-K. Enroll today at waterfordupstart.org.
1: Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online at DiscountTire.com. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of.
2: This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net.
1: The X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show.
4: And welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you live and around the world from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, and on the Exxon Broadcast Network. If you'd like to find out about the great programming we have available for you, 724-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. ExoNation, my guest this hour is Jodi Prouse, and she is the embattled woman's champion. She helps women recognize that they have the strength to transcend family trauma and the power to disengage from codependency with those family members who are at the heart of the drama. Her mission is to help women recognize that love is not the reason to engage, that taking care of oneself first is the is not a betrayal or selfish, Making the hardest choices may seem to be cruel or callous, but in fact are the healthier for all parties. Jody spent more than 30 years seeking to protect a a brother ultimately lost in alcoholism, giving so much it nearly cost her her marriage and risked endangering her children's mental health. Her gripping and tragic story is told in powerfully and honestly in her amazon.com best-selling book The Sun Has Gone, A Sister Lost and Secrets, Shame and Addiction and How I Broke Free. Joining me now is Jody Prossen. Jody, welcome to The X Zone.
5: Thanks, Rob. I'm so grateful to be here.
4: Well, we're happy to have you, hun. Uh, tell us a little bit about um, how this all came about.
5: Well, I think there's two answers to that. One When I was going through it, we have alcoholism and so many branches in our family tree, and I never, ever expected it would happen to my younger brother. And so I started keeping notes, and I just thought this was an important story to tell the world. But as I'm so much older now, and as I really have worked hard to understand alcoholism and mental illness and what causes it, um, I've rewound all the way back to childhood. And some of the things that happened to us that perhaps set the stage for what was to come.
4: Where does the title come from? The Sun Is Gone?
5: Well, you know, it it's spelt S-U-N, as in um, the sun in the sky. And for so long, I thought this was such a dark story. And, you know, I, I was just lost in every aspect of it. But then I realized that it is a hopeful story offering hope for other people. But it really had two meanings for me. Uh, One is that hope for others, but also the fact that because I'd been looking after my little brother since he was two years old, um, I loved him like he was my own son. And that is one of the real reasons I think really propelled me to make such wrong decisions during the time, at the time of, of feeling responsible for his life.
4: Well, how much older uh, were, are you than your brother?
5: I I was four years older.
4: Forty years older?
5: Four years. Four, four years. years,
4: I'm sorry, okay, great. Yeah, yeah. Right, so that's understandable, because uh, at uh, four years old of age, a, a little girl, uh, you know, she is into the the beginning of her caring. And I can fully understand that, uh, because I, I know so many people who are ladies that, feel the same way about their younger brothers
5: yeah and i think you know i don't want to dismiss the feelings that the boys have and and that men have Mm -hmm. but i think with little girls specifically i mean if if you look at at boys they're out playing with trucks and they're being really strong and and girls from two and three years old they have more often than not a little doll under their arm or they're pushing them around in little carriages and we're born with that instinct to look after others and look after others above our own needs. And I, you know, with my brother, we came from an alcoholic home. There was fighting and violence and Mm -hmm. fleeing the house in the middle of the night when, you know, he was two and and I, I was six. And so that really put that on my shoulders that I really did feel responsible for that little boy that that grew into a man.
4: All right, Jody, stand by. You and I have to take our first break. Exxon Nation, Jody Prouss is our guest this hour. We're talking to Jody about her book entitled The Sun Is Gone. Her website is www.jodyprouse.com. That's J-O-D-E-E-P-R-O-U-S-S-E.com. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you around the world right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network and our family of broadcast affiliates and satellite programming providers. And don't forget, Exxon Nation, on November the 15th, the Exxon Channel goes live on Simul TV. We'll be back. Don't go away.
2: xzbn Net.
4: Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-Minus-One, Dimension X, That
6: is it science or is it magic? Once a magical thing has been scientifically proven, is it no longer magic? Or is magic simply the science of tomorrow? Join me, Gwilde on the science of magic a syndicated radio program dedicated to combining the science and magic of today's dynamic and controversial topics to co-create new solutions. By triangulating information from today's leading experts from the scientific and magical fields, we uncover expansive and evolutionary truths you won't find anywhere else. Join us daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, as I interview the shared thoughts with the amazing guests from both science and magic. The resulting knowledge is unprecedented. As a gift to you, the listener, past episodes can be accessed on our website, free of charge at thescienceofmagic.net.
4: Welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Jody Prouse. She is the author of "The Sun Is Gone," a sister lost in secrets, shame, and addiction, and "How I Broke Free." Her website is Um You know, I was I was going through some of the reviews uh, that people have given your book, and uh, you've touched a lot of hearts, and I'm I'm sure you're making difference, uh, positive difference in so many worlds and so many families uh, uh did you expect your book to receive the accolades that it has
5: well i didn't and I, and i'm so very proud you know during my journey i read mm-hmm. about 30 other memoirs and of course most of the time they're they're written by the addict in recovery yeah but i i just thought what about all of us and us i mean the loved ones the lost families the people that they don't know what we're doing either. And so I wrote mine in a different way. I wanted to tell the whole story. And so it gives from the time, you know, we're two and six until my forties. I wanted to show the world what it's really like and how this can happen to someone. It isn't a choice and it can happen to every family. And where I'm really touched is that people feel so alone. They feel that they can't talk about it. They're so ashamed and, I hope in some small way I'm giving people the courage to find their voice because, you know, shame keeps families sick mm-hmm. and, and everybody hiding.
4: Let's, let's try and help our audience better understand the family dynamics that, that you were faced with. Can you tell us about your family, how many siblings and, and what the family dynamics were?
5: Yeah, well, I, so my brother was four years younger than I, um, and we had a younger sister that was four, four years younger than him, so eight years younger than myself, and then, you know, our mother and father, and, and there was drinking that went on when we were young. But happily, you know, my mother got us out of that situation when I was nine years old, mm-hmm. and we had a beautiful upbringing with a stepfather, and but there, there was some residual effects to that. I mean, we know so much more about addiction now that childhood trauma and, and or sexual abuse can lead to anxiety, depression, more severe mental health issues, and even alcohol and drug addiction later in life. Mm-hmm. And so looking back now, you know, my brother did experience um, night terrors and anxiety really young at like eight years old. And so, if he had gotten help for something like that, um, but you know, as our story progresses, and and you know, this was really severe addiction from the time my brother was 28 for a, for a 12-year period, and and I think not unlike millions of families out there, we started turning on each other instead of staying aligned as a family, and it just caused that much more complication um, in this story. You know, we we all had so much to lose. But I think the one that, that had the most to lose, of course, was, was my addicted brother.
4: Why do you think your family members started turning on each other instead of banding together?
5: Well, I think, I think the more I hear from other people, I think it happens so often. It's so stressful. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what to do. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love sharing my story. Because we're so focused on, you know, the person is sick. The yeah. person that's addicted that we don't realize that we also need help that maybe perhaps two were sick in our own way with some p- unhealthy patterns that were going on and that certainly was the case with with members of our family and if i could rewind that that's what i would do different i'd, I'd get help for myself first and and listen to the advice of the professionals and sometimes that, that isn't what your heart's telling you to do. Your, your heart's a very strong, powerful thing, and, and mm. it leads you in a different direction.
4: What was it that happened in your brother's life to catapult him to severe alcoholism uh, at the age of 28?
5: Well, like I said, I think knowing now, you know, we're only as good as, as what, you know, science tells us at the time. And sadly, when he had all the help that was offered to him, but they always said, just stop drinking, stop drinking, stop mm-hmm. drinking. And I know now he had more severe mental health issues. He he did experience anxiety and depression and had struggles with that. And, and I think, you know, he started drinking innocently in high school when those kind of emotions started, like a lot of people do. And then it just really, really progressed. Um, I think it's important to say, you know, Sadly, my brother did lose his battle in March of 2012. Um, So it it was a 12-year of just progressive, um, severe alcoholism.
4: During those 12 years, what kind of help was sought for your brother by by himself or other members of the family?
5: Yeah, he, he did. I went to counseling with him. He had counseling. He went to rehab six or seven times. But I, you know, that, that was from 2000 until 2012. Right. At the time, every rehab center was strictly for the drinking. I, I think he, he would have been much, had much more chance of success if he had been in a place that also dealt with his mental health. Um, that, that's an important, important component. But I, I do, I'm always honest in saying, it's still, even with that help, it would have been my brother that would have had to sort through the pain, do the hard work, and change. And and I think that goes for other members of our family. Um, there was definitely unhealthy patterns going on that wasn't supporting sobriety.
4: Um. How did you find the strength then to disengage with your brother, Brad, and to stand strong against your mother and your sister, to, to break that family dynamic up?
5: Well, about halfway through, um, for six years, I just, every minute of every day was consumed with saving my brother. And I was at the lowest point of my whole life in 2006. I couldn't get out of bed. I wasn't going to work. I had neglected my children, my husband, my job, my health. And, you know, I finally went to treat, or to therapy. And I said, you know what? I don't want to talk about Brett. I want to talk about what I need to do. And that was really the beginning of my understanding of childhood and why I'm behaving in a certain way when my therapist just said, you know, you're not responsible for their lives. Yeah. And and he meant my brother, my mom, and my sister. And I just had always thought that I was. And it, I set a healthy boundary with my brother. And I would only see him if if he embraced sobriety and, and was willing to get the help he needed and so sadly, that meant to my mom and my sister, I was at abandoning my family and um, deserting my brother. And again, I, I don't think it's unlike a lot of other families. We're so lost. It, it's a very painful road, which is why you need help.
4: Um, how did all of this actually impact your family, your, your personal family? Your own
5: family. And that's so funny because people do. They they use that that um that family word all the time. And that's so true because who ultimately are you responsible for? Who your mom or or your dad or your husband and my children? And that's where I was just so lost. I, I had let my own children witness things so far worse than I ever saw in my own childhood. Even though my husband and I don't drink, and you know that's one of my regrets through this, but it was a struggle for my family, for my sons. If if my marriage wasn't so rock solid, uh, we wouldn't have made it. It it was very very stressful, but but luckily you know we did, and 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 I continue to get help even today, all these years later, because those are hard patterns to break. Things you learn when you're Two, three, five years old. Those are those are very hard patterns to break, especially when you don't consciously know you're doing it.
4: Yeah, you know, I I had an uncle who was a real bad alcoholic, uh, so I I can understand where you're coming from, and I sympathize with you.
3: Why? Yeah, you...
5: it 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 runs in families. I mean. I don't know the exact statistic, Mm -hmm. but it is generational. And that's why I'm such a a huge believer in talking to young children. Like, don't wait until they're teenagers. It's just way, way too late. Start talking to your children so that they understand about your uncle, or they understand about grandpa, or my family understands about my brother, that... You can talk about it in a respectful, kind, compassionate way so that this doesn't continue in our family.
4: But with all the peer pressure today and all the, all the access to the electronic world and technological world that children at a very young age start getting involved with, are they apt to listen like they would have done? years ago when there wasn't so much outside influence and so much peer pressure
5: oh well i agree and th- and that's why you can't lose conversation with yeah. your children or you we will be in even worse trouble yeah. t- 10 and 15 years from now and before you have a teenager that is you know attached to their phone and mm-hmm. attached to their electronics have conversations with them about these things in your family and you know, but why don't we? Yeah. I mean, no one no one ever came and said, you know, Jody, don't tell all these things. But I was sure made to believe that from a very early age. But I was just always different. Mm-hmm. I'm not ashamed. I do believe it's a disease. Yes. I do believe that, you know, I had an uncle as well, and a stepfather, and a father, and a grandfather, and um, I have a nephew, and of course my brother, that, that all are alcoholics. And I say these things with compassion and love. Yes. And,
4: you and, see, Jody, before I before I came into the world of broadcasting or while you know, at the very start, I, I was a, I was a police officer. So I, you know, I've seen the horrific results of alcoholism, whether it's you know, drunk, impaired, uh, physical, mental abuse in the family of the abuse of children, and it is an ugly world, and it has to be brought out of the closet. And people and society need to know that, hey, it is a sickness. It has to be treated. We cannot hide it anymore. We need to get the resources. We need to get the professionals to help because so many people are suffering.
5: Oh, it, and it's only getting worse. It is. Uh, and I totally agree with you. I mean, education has never been better mm-hmm. and more available. And yet the problem is getting worse. The statistic just came out last week. One in eight Americans um, suffer with, with substance use disorder. I mean, that's, that's extremely scary. And that's why I wrote my book in a certain way that, yeah. you know, you can read what really happens and how it can happen and but it also is intertwined with things that will help you.
4: All right, let's and, talk more about how this can help, but I must tell you something, Jody. In my book, you're a crusader. And my hat is off to you.
5: Thank you so much.
4: We need more people like you, Jody, who take a positive stance and say this is what happens. I know and I want to help you. So thank you for doing the great things you're doing. Thank you. You stand by, sweetheart. Exonation, Nation, Jody Press is our special guest. She is the author of a, of a book that if you know somebody who fits, well, we're going to be talking about this hour, Please, The name of the book is The Sun is Gone. And uh, Jody and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break. As we continue, here in the Exxon from our broadcast centre in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And if you'd like to find out more about Jody, visit her website, jodyprouse.com. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. We'll be back after this news break. Don't go away.
6: Ancient prophecies, legends, and current events indicate we're entering a high-frequency era supporting enlightenment. During expansive times, old rules fail, necessitating access to the ever-shifting currents of life for guidance. There's an ancient form of shamanism through which we can obtain the information we need. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Art School, with a great new provision for those interested in spiritual evolution and personal empowerment galactic shamanism art of the ancients key to tomorrow is an upcoming series of leading edge online affordable classes designed to guide and support you and your family during these times of transition embrace the magic empower your life study galactic shamanism at findyourpathhome.com
4: Welcome back, everyone. Jody Price is our special guest, and uh, Jody and I were chatting uh, during the uh, during the commercial break with the news that we're just coming back from. And uh, I I I don't understand the youth of today. Maybe that's because I I'm, I'm old. You know, I'm not old. Like, you know, I I've been doing this show for twenty six years, and then I was a cop before then. So you kind of do the math, you know. No, I'm not in a wheelchair. Thanks, Craig. Um, it's, it's, it's hard for me to understand why people do not communicate, why people do not open their eyes and see what is in front of them. And it, instead of playing with your iPads or your electronic or technological gadgets, take an interest in the people around you. It's sad to see people in a restaurant family in a restaurant this happened last week Laura and I went out for supper to Swish LA and two booths down were a family of five a nice nice family and instead of talking to each other they were playing with their electronic gizmos and what a waste what a waste so how do we how do we turn the tides here my dear friend
0: well
5: and that's the thing um, still as parents mm-hmm. i hope you still can can tell your children to put their phones away and and I know you were sharing that you shared all the yeah. meals with your children and that's how they were raised and that's so important to have communication and to talk about mm-hmm. your day and to have that dialogue we had the same thing yeah. in our family um you know luckily for us i mean our kids now are 24 and 26 and so when they were teenagers they didn't have iPhones and been texting all the time but I would like to think that if it was today that I was raising them, no, the phones get put away at dinner. time. Exactly. You know, and And we're going to talk,
4: you know, and I believe having had the opportunity of speaking to you that you would do that and that (laughs) the family is only as strong as the parents. The family unit is only as strong as the parents want that family unit to be. And I think from my heart of hearts, that you would be the leader and say, "Hey, put those down." What we do here in our home, when you walk into our into our house, on the right hand side is a basket, and that's where visitors put their cell phones when they come to our house.
5: I love it. I love it that more people should do that yeah. because um, we think you know the world's in a bad place now. I can't even imagine unless we make some changes what is going to happen in the future.
4: I have a lot of hope for the future because of people like you and other people that I have the pleasure of meeting on a daily basis. I really believe that no matter how screwed up this world of ours seems to be, it will work out because there are people who care. And um, once again, my hat is off to you for for certainly doing your part
5: thank you and and you know that that's what i hope to do is is to take a story Mm -hmm. that at first glance doesn't have a happy ending but i think it can for others and i think it can for even my own family um for you know my nieces and my own sons my own grandchildren someday yeah
4: so so why do you feel women must be the fixers then the caretakers and uh, to to the detriment of themselves in many cases why do you think yeah. this yeah
5: and and i think now i don't i don't believe we have to be i think we're just raised that way i think it's in our dna i think it's in our nature hmm. and i think when we say no we feel so completely guilty and we feel like failures and we feel like that that's a pressure we put on ourselves, but I think it's a pressure that families and societies put on us, and it's so wrong. You know, I should have said no to my brother long mm-hmm. before I did. I, I know now I was enabling him in some ways. And I just really think sometimes the word no can be the most compassionate gift we can give our loved one and the best thing for ourselves at the same time. Um, don't feel guilty. When, when you have to draw that line.
4: So how, how do you break away from these old patterns that are inherent and maybe actually are part of our DNA? How do we change it?
5: Uh, well, for me, it took a great amount of work, and I'm very blessed in the fact that I always say I can afford private therapy, but mm-hmm. not everybody can But there are books out there. You can read books. You can go on the Internet. You can read articles. And if you see yourself, you really do need courage and strength, I think, to come to terms with your own truth and with really understanding the things that have happened to you in your life and why you behave in a certain way. And I worked really, really hard to understand that for myself. I mean, I said I had other family members that were so angry at me Some of which are angry still today.
4: Why would they be angry at you?
5: I think when not everybody sees things the same way or, you know, when you do have a loved one that Mm -hmm. that isn't getting well, um, people start fighting. And I think with us, I think some people lost focus of the problem. And the problem was always alcohol. And so, instead of changing some of those things, it's easier to blame others. And I don't come from a place of blame i um I've moved free from all of all of those unhealthy emotions
4: how is How do you find that the families of today in this kind of very strange society? No, let me rephrase the question. Let me rephrase the question. How can we get the attention of those who have drinking problems or or a dependency on on drugs, whether they be prescription or not? When in today's society, you, you turn on the television and bang, you, you've got these ads, Bang, you go to a sporting event. All these sporting events are sponsored by by well most of them are sponsored by the manufacturers of alcohol the sporting industry how do we change it how do we say look this is not the way to go when when alcohol tobacco and and you know what we consider to be the evils of society are actually glorified and promoted
5: oh they are and it looks so fun and exciting and and that's the problem so that's where it comes in for me, Mm -hmm. that I believe talking to our young children. I mean young, I mean four, five, six years old. Now, of course, you can't explain everything, right? but as as they get older, you start talking more and more, and to make them very much aware about the dangers. You know, I am not against drinking. Mm -hmm. My my own grown sons drink, and we raise them to know that they probably would. But they respect it and they know the dangers of it. And they certainly know that it runs in our family. And so they really need to be have their eyes that much more wide open when, when they drink. And I think then there'll be real change. And another change, I think that, you know, we do hear it in hospitals you're judged by doctors and nurses and you see in the media, people Mm -hmm. make fun of those that are addicted and journalists sometimes. Right. All those things with these negative, no wonder people that are addicted are hiding in shame. But if we raise our children to really believe it's a disease, they're going to grow up and be better doctors and nurses and psychiatrists and therapists and, and those in the media. I think that will finally see real change. Do you th-
4: do you think that the negative aspect of alcohol and prescribed drugs or any other kind of drug uh, um, should be taught in schools?
5: Oh, absolutely! And you know, we do hear mm-hmm. the campaigns of "Don't do drugs." We need to add respect alcohol to that. That certainly has to be something that is done it should be taught in schools and um but it's like i think with our my own family if i think back to everything that went on with with my brother families rely too much i think on the help from the doctors and the therapists and the rehab centers i think those are just tools to help us in this life i think we all it's our responsibility to do all the hard work And I think that sometimes gets lost. People blame, when it doesn't work out, people Mm -hmm. tend to blame um, the healthcare professionals. And I know that's not perfect either, but I think the family needs to take a little bit more responsibility as well.
4: How do we define uh, enabling and codependency? Because these are two of the major words that we find when it comes to abuse.
3: Oh,
5: and I, you know, when I tell you I was lost, Mm -hmm. uh, I never gave my brother money, I never made excuses for him, I never paid his rent, and and I'll say all those things were going on, so I didn't think I was enabling at all, but what I would find out as I was doing other things, he was losing his job, and I was paying his therapy, I thought that was support, I was helping him move, even though it was bad for his recovery. So I did learn I was enabling in different ways. Um, I didn't even know what codependency was. You know, you have to think I was going to all of his appointments. Mm -hmm. I thought I had this. I thought I understood until, of course, I hit my wall. And then I, I realized, you know, codependency is, you know, one sided relationships, a people pleaser, poor boundaries a caretaker of others and someone that sacrifices their own needs to help someone else
4: fascinating but these are all things that people need to be taught it doesn't come in a in a in a classroom that you have to take
5: oh absolutely and that's why i say i would get help for myself first from mm-hmm. the very beginning if you have or someone that you love is struggling with addiction or mental illness, that you do need help. We're all lost in a world sure we that are. we don't understand. How, how would we know any of these yeah. things? And so the things we're doing to help, they are coming out of a place of love. Everything I did for my brother came out of a place of love. Everything my mom did and mm-hmm. my sister did, um, I acknowledge that. But we were lost. We all needed help.
4: But But... When you love someone and and you believe in your heart of hearts that you are doing the best for them, how can you how can you later on say, "You know what, I shouldn't have done that because at the time you were doing what you honestly believed was the right thing. you weren't doing it out of malice, you were doing it out of love,
5: absolutely, but I think the part is understanding that those things sometimes can help somebody on their path of destruction. Gotcha. And so when you figure those things out Mm -hmm. to find the strength to finally do what's right. And, you know, for me, it was no longer doing those enabling patterns and really Mm -hmm. giving my brother only one option. and, And that was sobriety. And of course, I love what you said, because it it didn't come from a place of people feeling guilty. And regret and guilt are not the same thing. Of course, I have regrets. I wish I would have done some things different. Mm. I mean, if my brother was here, he'd be the first to tell you he would have regrets. But when you're every minute of every day, your Mm. loved one could die. And that is what propels you, I think, a lot of times to make poor choices. All right,
4: stand by. We've got to take our final break. This is The Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. Jody Prost and I return. Don't go away.
6: The Earth is under ever-increasing pressure from untenable lifestyles and growing populations. Yet viable answers seem in short supply. What if I told you there's an ancient form that can empower you to take charge of your life? What if your entire family could be enfolded and supported by life itself, finding safe passage through challenging times? I'm Gwilda Wiecka, founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Art School with Great News, an upcoming series of leading-edge online affordable classes based in an ancient form of shamanism easily learned and used by your entire family.
4: to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365.
0: Are you curious? Do you want to learn more about how the world works and have fun at the same time?
6: is truth? Historically, we viewed things as either being true or false. Now as we enter a more expansive era, we find the question is not, is it true? but rather how true is it? I'm Gwilda Wiecka, host of the Science of Magic Radio, a syndicated internationally broadcast radio program dedicated to uncovering this ever-expanding truth. Join me daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, XZBN.net, as I interview today's leading experts from the fields of science and magic. To uncover the hidden truth between the lines drawn in the sand. What we unearth in our discussions is not only amazing, but totally unprecedented. You won't want to miss a single episode. In service to our listeners, past episodes can always be found on our website with our compliments at thescienceofmagic.net. Music
4: Welcome back, everyone. Jody Prouse is our special guest this hour. And uh, Jody is the author of The Sun is Gone and the Sun is You One. The Sun is Gone, A sister's law, lo- a Sister Lost in Secrets, Shame, and Addiction, and How I Broke Free. Her website is www.jodyprouse.com. First of all, Jody, thank you so much for being a guest on the show tonight, and thank you for your book. Thank you for... The, the light that you're bringing to a lot of people who at the end of their tunnel up until the time they, they have read your book was black. But thanks to you, there's light that's appearing at the end of that tunnel. So thank you for them.
5: Oh, thank you, Rob. Um,
4: you, you, you say keeping family secrets is one of the biggest factors in family trauma. Can you Can you elaborate on that?
5: Yeah, I think, you know, when my brother was going through just even the early stages, the beginning, the middle and the end, mm-hmm. he didn't remember the being s- scared and fearful and being hysterical in the middle of the night and me crawling down into his bunk bed and whispering in his ear, it's okay, you know, and, and fleeing in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. But I think he felt those feelings later in life. And I never said anything because I didn't want to... I didn't think it had anything to do with the story. I didn't think it had anything to do with his alcoholism. I didn't want to disrespect my parents. And But knowing now that childhood trauma can lead to mental illness and addiction, I just feel if I had said something back then, this could have made a difference in our story. And that's what I try to tell other people the, family, the trauma isn't, isn't the reason for all people, of course, to become addicts and, and drug addicts and alcoholics. But um, I think for cr- people that are chronically relapsing and just can't seem to, to get well, mm-hmm. for families to really find the strength to tell the truth, and if something has happened, for someone to speak up, someone to speak up and say hey could this be part of the puzzle because it is a puzzle mm-hmm. it you know when it there is no easy answer it is a long journey and um I I just wish that that I had I had known and I would have spoken up really early on
4: well, let me ask you this question and this may be a very hard question for you to answer but If you had to do it over again, how would you handle things differently?
5: I would still 100% be there to support my brother, but I would do it in a more healthy, positive way. I would talk about our early childhood. I would share all that with him that these things had happened and that although he didn't remember, maybe it affected him and he didn't realize it. I would also stand up. I think more to to my my mom, and tell her I love her very, very much. But that this, all these things are not my responsibility. That you can't save somebody else. And you know, I, I've learned a lot about myself on this journey.
4: What has been your What has been the biggest lesson that you've learned on the journey?
5: Just that the only person I can control is myself. I, I can't even, you know, my own sons. I have raised them mm-hmm. um, the best way I knew how. I have said sorry for the mistakes I've made because I certainly am not perfect. And I've, I've made, I've done things I wish I, I hadn't done. Uh, but I've given them the proper tools. But what they do with that is on them. And I see that now so much clearer, that I'm just responsible for me.
4: How was the book, A Promise, you upheld to your brother?
5: You know, he knew I was writing it, and we went for a beautiful walk in 2009. I hadn't seen him, I think, for a couple years, but he was sober, and we took our dogs for a walk, and, and he asked me how it was going. And I told him I'd stopped writing. I said, you know, no one wants a lesson. They want an inspiration. And he said, I promise, Jody, I'll be an inspiration. You have to keep writing. And so I'm the first to say, my brother was in extreme denial. He didn't think it was so bad. And he did think it was going to have a happy ending. But I think it does. I think if you see yourself in our pages, if you're any of the characters, find the strength to change. It's never too late. And so I hope he does inspire others to get the help they need. And uh, I, I think he'd be very
4: proud. What can society do to, to get rid of the, the stigma that is, that is attached to alcoholism and other dependencies?
5: Well, I think people need to start, and they don't do it on purpose, but you do see it in the media of, you know, you Mm -hmm. see talk show hosts making fun of addiction and, you know, why is that okay? Or, you know, I haven't had a drink of alcohol in 25 years. Mm -hmm. And when I go somewhere, like to a wedding, if I don't know people, and I say I don't drink, people still the reaction it is like, you don't drink? Why? What's wrong with you? And why would something have to be wrong with me? I just think to make p- other people more aware of how they respond. And it should be, you should be proud of somebody if they say, hey, you know what, I choose to not drink for whatever reason, that That's person, right. you know, it, it's something to be admired, because well, it, it well, is exceptionally hard. Plus you made a
4: decision. It, and absolutely it's up to you know, like I believe, hey, if this is your decision, I'll support it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna force you to do something that you don't wanna do. It's just like trying to get a vegetarian to have a hamburger. You don't do that. It's called respect.
5: Absolutely, but I've I've witnessed it too with, you know, alcoholics yeah. and oh I'm I'm thirty days sober and they're friends. Or, oh, come on, come on, you can have just one. Or It's like it's a game to get them to have a drink. And it's like, why would you do that? And I think people don't know. It can be extremely destructive and well, even course. death
4: well, this is what, people. This is what they're doing. They're playing with, it's a life and death game that they're playing. When you try to entice someone who has... Decided not to drink for one reason or another, or a recovering alcoholic, or somebody who is who is you know in in the process of going through the steps with AA. This is a life and death thing. It's nothing to be played with. It's it's to be respected. It's to be honored, because and if encouraged. you exactly encouraged. exactly and
5: and especially when a lot of those people are suffering low self esteem, they feel ashamed already. Yeah. They they're struggling and they just want to fit in. And you need to put your armors around them and say, hey, you know what? Good for you exactly. for wanting wanting to live a sober life.
4: It's just like we're seeing with the transgenders, the people who are, you know, who are mixed up confused about their sexuality. Don't make fun of them. Try to understand. Put yourself in their shoes. Respect their decisions. Isn't that what life is about, or should be about, is respecting others?
5: Yeah, instead of beating them up and shaming them exactly. and making them feel less than human. And Do you
4: know what I think the real reason absolutely. is that people do that? It's because they do not have the ability, the power, to do what that person is doing.
5: I agree. It's, I absolutely agree.
4: It's sad, but... It's true, and by the way, I agree with you about the media. The media these days are a joke. They make fun of of very serious issues, and they get ratings based on disasters, based on, my gosh, look at all the media coverage over the massacre in Las Vegas this weekend. And before that, it was the storms instead of... Putting something positive, it's negative, 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 negative.
5: Absolutely. And yeah. even someone like myself who tries to get mainstream media to talk about even my story and yeah. my book, no, they're not interested. And you're absolutely right. We need to add some happiness in there and some hope and all those things instead of just just all the bad.
4: But you see, that's what you're doing. And this is why I call you a a crusader. And I'm telling you something. I am really happy that you came on our show tonight. And I'm proud to say that we had the ability and the opportunity of letting the world know tonight about you, about your book, and about there being a crusader who wants to do something positive in a world that is situated and plagued with a lot of negativity. So, Jody, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. And when you get my email, send me that information back.
5: Absolutely. And thank you so much for for everything. Um, we, we, We said it before, conversation changes lives.
4: That's right. And I thank you again and please my very best to your family. You as well. Take care, Jody. Exo Nation, a wonderful lady, great story. The name of the book is The Sun Is Gone. Her name is Jody Prouse. And to find out more about Jody, go to www.jodyprouse.com. That's J O D E E P R O U S S E.com. Christmas is coming around the corner, Exo Nation. This would be an ideal book to give to someone who you love who may have a problem this book can put a light on. We'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Zone from our broadcast center in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like, send me an email, exxon at X-Zone Radio TV. You can check us out on all the social media sites, Radio TV.com. And uh, to get your free download of the X Chronicles newspaper, www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com.
5: your four-year-old find joy in learning. Waterford Upstart is a proven effective pre-K learning program that includes fun songs, games, and activities that prepare your child for success in school. We provide all the tools you need to help your child learn to read, including a coach, a computer, and internet access. And because it's already paid for, it's free for you. Enroll today at waterfordupstart.org.